This is going to be epic. Hold on to your seats. WFOD starts now. So, you know, check it out. Woo! Dan, how you doing? Mike, I'm overjoyed to be back in the wheelbarrow once again. The dicks feel great, buddy. Oh, thank you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I want to tell you, I discovered that there is a sovereign nation called Slojamistan. Have you heard of Slojamistan? Slojamistan, no, but I can only assume that there's a national song there is and that and that's kind of how i discovered it because i i love music lawsuits and i'm pretty sure their uh their national anthem they could probably lose a copyright claim you want to hear it oh yes yeah it it sounds a little bit like a song you might recognize dan okay And I think it's gonna be an awesome place This country brings a like smile to your like face Inside our nation you were never alone No, 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 no. <laughs> That would have been so much fun so like, I can kind of hear it a little bit But I don't hear anything in my headphones Oh, you can't hear it? I could hear it like it was just like you had it It wasn't wired in I could hear like the ambient noise of it that's weird. I wonder why it's not working. Uh, it, it's just Rocket Man, uh, but it's a slow jam, Stan. Oh, that's awesome. You can't hear you... this, Dan? <laughs> no. Fuck Skype. God. I know, dude. Skype, Skype fucking blows. We should. They should have never taken Google Plus from us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a long time ago, huh? Deep so, cut. My little pet music lawsuit. Uh, you know, you'll listen to a song and you're like, this is bullshit. It's a ripoff of this song. That popular audio slave song, like their first like song. Like a stone or no, Co- no, no. Cochise was yeah, their first Cochise one. Yeah, Cochise sounded exactly like uh, the Pantera song, I'm Broken. Like, I think it's even in the same key signature. And that one I was always like, why doesn't Pantera sue audio slave? Get him. Then you're not going to be able to hear their commercial for the Double either because you can't hear the Double. Yeah, that's their uh, their official currency, Dan. The Slojamistan Department of Treasury, with oversight from the Sultan of Slojamistan, present 
the 100 Double Coin. This is an extremely rare minting of the nation's first metallic coin. And now, it's being released to the public. The feel. The look. Mmm, that sexy-ass sultan. Will you be the first on your block to own the 100 Double Coin? Less than 1,100 Double Coins have been minted. And once they're gone, they're gone. The Double... <laughs> you can buy a Double for $25 plus $5 shipping and handling. Apparently, they are... Uh, they're, is this they, like a crypto thing? They're, no, it's their... Like, if you go to Slow Jamistan, you can't bring cash, Dan. Buy you, yourself a Double for $25 plus $5 shipping and handling. Uh, or I guess you can you go to Slow Jamistan. It's 100 miles from San Diego. Uh, it's 11 acres in Southern California, Dan. You're not allowed to wear Crocs, though. That's that's like in their law. No, you have to wear like an open shirted, you know, like yeah. open chest. Like uh, they'll check you at the border and make sure you don't have any Crocs because you're not allowed to wear them. They're going to ask you what your favorite Usher song is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is a crazy exchange rate well i i don't yeah i guess maybe they have to have smaller coins right maybe the coin is just symbolic how far does one doble go though i mean what can i buy for this i don't know maybe maybe you like trade goods and services and barter is it one of those things where, you know, like back in the the 20s, you could go down to the automat and get a sandwich and a cup of coffee and have your laundry drawn and fill your car up with gas? one on the table and say, yeah. here you go. And this should you live it. like a king all week. <laughs> you know, you get enough groceries to stock up the hell, the house and 18 rolls of gingham. I don't know. I'd be interested to see. What does a, what does a doble look like? Is it it's a physical? Like, it's, yeah, it's like a silver coin. It has the, ah. the sultan on it. There's a sultan in uh slow jamistan slow jamistan yeah and i think he used to be a radio dj but uh, like he wears (laughs) he wears some pretty uh official looking outfits uh and he just he just lives in this sovereign nation i can only imagine how insensitive to other cultures that this sultan's outfit is um i was taking a shit at work the other day and the janitor mm -hmm. came in and started yelling at me because like it was his time to clean the bathroom and he was mad that I was in there shitting. And so then, I would be, then he was just standing out in the hallway yelling about, well, I can't go in there and clean. Cause there's somebody in there. And like, he, he just waited, he waited outside so that he could like confront me for shitting. He was shit shaming you. Yeah. And I, yeah, you've been shit shamed. I've yeah. always been so nice to this janitor, too. I always wave to him and say good morning and stuff. Yeah. Hey, he's fucking shit-shaming me. Never, it's not like he never. has a sign-up that says, don't come in here at this time. I was just taking a shit on my break. Yeah, I mean, you can't base your entire life on this guy's cleaning schedule. Like, you got to shit. If he, It's not like you shit while he was cleaning. That's kind of a dick move. Oh, like, just, like, go in there and sit down while... No, yeah, like, I well, was in yeah, the process you know, of like, shitting when he came in. He's got the sign out. He's got the door propped open. Like, please don't use, you know, like you would be an asshole if you went in there and, and shit. I've been thinking about at it at that point. I've been thinking about but it all week. I'm never saying from now on. Yeah, that guy, that guy's your enemy. 
he blocked the door with his trash cans. So I had to move the trash cans to exit because he got you back. Yeah. No, I hate him. I hate that guy. now. Anytime I'm about to be nice to someone in public, I just tell myself they're probably a pedophile. And then I feel better about not being nice to them. I just think in my head, like if I'm going to hold the door for someone, uh, I not, Oh, she's probably a pedophile. This nice old lady, that probably a pedophile. And then I don't hold the door for him because I'm not holding the door open for a fucking child molester. Why would you? I wouldn't, Mike. That's where I draw the line. I won't be nice to a child molester. Dan, I have a uh, app that I thought of. And it, let me know if you think this is a good idea. Like a baseball cap? Okay, so I got Shudder because I like watching that Joe Bob Briggs show. Right. But then when the Joe Bob Briggs show isn't on, there is nothing on Shudder that I want. Like, oh, you, so that you, that's the only thing you watch on Shudder. Yeah. So I subscribe okay. to Shudder, and I and I like the Joe Bob Briggs. But then when that's over, I'm still paying $5.99 for Shudder because I haven't turned it off yet. Right. Uh, but there's nothing else on there that I want to watch. So I'm going to cancel it. I just haven't yet. And you can't pause it on like a week-to-week basis. There's so many of these streaming apps now. There, there's the yes. Netflix and the Hulu and the the the... Peacock and Paramount. Max. 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 Yeah. Shudder. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Fucking, uh, did I already say Peacock? Yeah, but you can say it twice. It's fine. So you you go and you click on the app, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you subscribe. And then you might not come back for months and you just paid for it anyway. What if there was a service, Dan, that... When there was something you wanted to watch on Netflix, let's say, you click on it and you say, I want to pay for Netflix for a month. And the app says, okay, you have Netflix for a month. But then like it just cancels it for you for the next month. Oh, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, yeah. I like that business model. Right. It just because I'm the same as you I'll sign like when I watch football, I don't have cable. So I watch YouTube. uh, I get YouTube TV to watch football games. But then I always forget to shut it off. And that's fucking sixty dollars a month. Right. Shit. And Uh, and so it just cancels it. And then so the next time you want to watch Netflix again, you pop it on. If it's still in the month that you paid for. Cool. If not, then it'll just subscribe you again. And cancel right. it for you again. It just sits there in the background and takes care of you. Like you give it your credit card yeah. and then it just signs you up. Right. And so, yeah, if you, if you pop on Max and you don't have Max, they'll charge you for Max for a month. And if, if you do have Max, but you haven't watched it in a while, they cancel it. The thing that would really sell this for me is if it was if I just used this app, if I had a password and a username for this app, and then I didn't have to use a password and a username for every other yeah. streaming. That's the thing I fucking hate is like if you get a new Roku or a new, you got to sign back into every individual piece of shit app. No, I yeah, the Stream Buddy, it just keeps all your passwords for you. The Stream Buddy, I thought we were gonna call it the Stream Bro. I like Stream Bro. That's that's good too. Uh, stream Bro. Yeah, streamy. There's, there's too many. The streamy Buddy sounds lame and and dorky bro that's cool it, it would be a I had sleek the, I, yeah I'm, I'm thinking like a like a real glossy finish on the little box dan 
So, and I had this, this ties directly into this. I had an argument with my wife uh, because a guy, when we were camping, a guy came up to me and this is his opener, Mike. Can you tell me if there's ever a way that another man can say this to you and mean it in a good way? He goes, hey, buddy. Oh, no, he goes, hey, bud. Is that ever followed by a guy like being nice or helpful? Or is that always like an aggressive way to say something? If a guy opens with, hey, bud. I think it's kind of condescending. Like he's yes. talking down to you. There's a guy it, at my work it, yeah, that exactly. calls me Bub like Wolverine. And I don't and like he's that not at all. I'm guessing he's not Wolverine. He's not. No, <laughs> he kind of carries himself Wolverine-esque. Like, you know, he he uh, he, he kind of puffs his, his shoulders out, you know, like. Well, like, like his lats are so big that he can't put his arms down. Yeah, like he's about to draw down on you. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to wrestle that guy, Mike. Take there, him down. There's a Spanish fellow I work with that calls him Mighty Dave. Because Mighty Dave. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should call the the little the streaming app. Mighty Dave. Mighty Dave? Yeah, he's Mighty Dave the streaming bro. He won't let these streaming apps push you around. He's like, what app do you want to watch? What what app what do you want to watch today, Bub? There's too fucking many of them, Dan. And I mean, like, they have one show that you want to watch. Like, you get Apple TV, which we forgot to mention earlier, Dan. Oh, yeah. There it is. There Apple it is. TV has Ted Lasso. I want to watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. But then when Ted Lasso's over, what the fuck do I need Apple TV for? And that is exactly, I watched Ted Lasso, and I've never watched anything else. And you always do that thing, too. I think that this should kind of pressure you into canceling, because you always do that thing with, like, well, I might watch something on Apple TV. Why would I? I don't want to cancel it, because then I just have to sign back up again. This thing is like, dude, just fucking cancel your shit, because I'll sign you back up, no problem. Right, Mighty Dave the Streaming Bro has got you, Dan. You know you're not going to watch Foundation anytime soon, dude. Let's, okay, let's just sign you back up when you get the flu in a couple of weeks. So we create Mighty Dave the Streaming Bro. How yeah. quick before Netflix says, "Oh, well, if you cancel, you can't sign back up for 3 months." Or something like that. They they, they come up with something to fuck us. They would almost immediately do that. But I uh, I also I kind of my hope is that they would offer us money to go away. That's basically, that's the best thing that any American can hope for at this point is just to be paid to stop. By our silence. So we would allow people, Mighty Dave is like almost like a a VPN where Mighty Dave just exists in this one place, this one IP address. So anybody in your family can use your Mighty Dave password. We don't give a fuck. Yeah. Let everybody use the Mighty Dave password and then they can watch your Netflix account. So is Mighty, your, is Mighty Dave like a Roku, like a physical thing, or is Mighty Dave just like an app or something that like you can put on your phone? I think I think Mighty Dave could just be an app. It's just one of those things you have to give permissions to. You know, like how when okay. you're on your phone and you have to log into Facebook through this app or like, you know, like when you, you click on Instagram and it's asking you for your Instagram credentials in this other app. Yeah. So it can just take you straight. I think that's what Mighty Dave the Streaming Bro is. And so Mighty Dave the Streaming Bro cancels your shit every month. That way you're not paying for errant months unless you go into the app. And then Mighty Dave is like, oh, you want Netflix again? Okay, gotcha. Does it automatically cancel it no matter what? I think it has to, yeah. Because, I mean, it's not going to guess whether you're coming back or not. It's just going to cancel it. And then... It'll sign you back up if you want to get into it again. 
I like that. It's like holding your streaming for ransom. Yeah. It's like you have to tell me, otherwise I'm killing your grandma. But then if you yeah. if you pop back on, eh, you're still in. And it's easy. It's a one-click deal. Instantaneous, Mighty Dave the Streaming Bro. This is a great fucking idea. I can't wait to somehow make money off of this. I hope. I mean, I think I've we've talked this out enough that I get a, a little piece of the pie, Mike. Oh, yeah. No, I want you to be in on it, Dan. You're my, yeah. Uh, yeah. my intellectual sparring partner. Mm, yeah. Interesting. You know, I don't know that I've heard that term before. Uh, oh, yeah, I because like this it. is the first half, Dan. Uh, guys, coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Stephen Jarko. He's a uh, author. He made a he's, he's a, a Emmy Award winning Academy Award winning. Uh, I think he's a producer man, Dan. Guy wears a lot of hats. He's involved in real estate. Uh, he has a book. It's called uh, The New Roaring Twenties, Prosper and Volatile Times. Uh, interesting read, guys. We're going to talk to him about AI and stuff. I'm looking forward to doing that. So, oh. It's time once again for the Hollywood Beat with your inside source, Drunk. And this week, Drunk talks to Harrison Ford about his new film, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny in theaters June 30th. How is it filming an Indiana Jones movie at 80 years old? It was a barrel of fun. Do they de-age you? I'm, I'm delighted with the film uh, altogether. It was a great, great experience. Do you look like a cartoon? No. <laughs> Senators this week will consider legislation requiring the National Archives to release federal reports about UFOs, arguing those mysterious items in the sky, J.B., are a danger to military aircraft and U.S. security. They're coming down from Mars. They're crashing Martian cars. But if they come see Travi, they go and see Travi dropping bars. My pants, they are all wet. What you see is what you get. I pee my pants so freely. You'd fucking think it's sweat. Beam me up with my pee pants. Yeah. Beam me up with my pee pants. Yeah. Ever been using your phone's GPS and thought to yourself, this bitch don't know me? Who gives her the right to tell me where to go? Maybe it's time you get the directions from a friend. In half a mile, keep Right. Go to WFODicks.com and look for ways under the extras tab. In point .1 miles, turn left, and then turn right. Mike is the driving companion you've always wanted. Get him today. Turn left. Once again. WFOD. Wheelbarrow full of dicks.
guest tonight has been involved in multiple Academy Award-winning films and Emmy-winning television series. He is the co-author of a new book called The New Roaring Twenties, Prosper in Volatile Time. It's available now wherever you get books. Stephen Jarko is on the program. It, it says that Paul, the, the co-writer of the book, uh, I, I guess he was writing it solo and then... For whatever reason, he was unable to finish it, and you kind of stepped in and and finished it? Yes. Paul has uh, been my friend for 40 years. We've done business together in Russia and China and other places and in the U.S., and he and his wife called me about uh, six, seven months ago and said that Paul had been diagnosed with a serious illness. He was not able to finish the book, and they knew that I knew his work pretty well and asked me if I would finish it. Of course, he's my friend. And so uh, I worked on it and finished it. And now it's come out. He referred to you in the book as his intellectual sparring partner. He just come up with uh, fun topics and call you and you guys uh, go back and forth. Or what what does that term mean? Well, I'm not completely clear. It's a (laughs) Paulism. So it may or may not have any real meaning. But, uh, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I would always enjoy being with Paul because uh, I would put a nickel in him and he'd be off to the races with all sorts of interesting ideas and ways to look at things. And I would interject from time to time. But Paul's a talker and uh, one of the most brilliant guys I've ever met. You know, he's an economist and an author and, uh, you know, really a very thoughtful guy. But he's always coming up with some new idea. And in part, my my job was to shape that idea so that it was more practical and had application. Did you kind of end up being like an editor? Well, uh, I edited the book and uh, added a lot of the uh, research and footnotes. And then I wrote the chapters on Russia and China, which he had uh, he had not started Russia. And he had just started China. And then, you know, tried to add some updates and the like to, you know, the rest of it. I I did what I could do to make the book as as good as it could be. The book, I I guess, to uh, to do the elevator pitch, it kind of finds like the the parallels from 100 years ago to today and then kind of, uh, you know, goes into kind of where we're headed. Is that about sum it up, you think, Stephen? Paul originally wrote this book because he has four children, and they were asking what the future might hold, what the next 10 years would look like. And Paul started studying it and researching various areas, and he got his kids' help in certain of these areas and came to the conclusion that there were some distinct parallels between the next 10 years and what happened in the original 1920s, so he thought this would be a good title. You know, the parallels are that the original 1920s was a time of great economic growth uh, and expansion of technologies. At the beginning of the 1920s, uh, automobiles were a luxury. By the end, they were a necessity. A telephone service was and all over the country. The, this was the first era of mass marketing, and just a lot of things were happening. Now, many of those same things 
uh, in terms of technological development and wealth are happening during this 10 years, uh, but they're happening so much faster. And in large part, they're going to happen so much faster because of the advent of applied and generative artificial intelligence uh, using large language models, which are able to simulate data and sift and winnow through it at a speed that is much greater than at any time in human history and far beyond what humans can do. And artificial intelligence and and the other technologies of this era are going to create incredible wealth. They're going to uh, improve the quality of our lives. Uh, They're going to apply to medical research and diagnostics, surgeries, uh, climate management and climate control. Uh, We're going to be able to improve the various alternative energy techniques, including uh, nuclear and geothermal, which will be uh, very important to us by the end of the decade. Uh, They're going to improve logistics, uh, molecular combinations, language translations. Uh, It's going to change a lot of things. The world at the end of of the 2030s uh, is going to be very different than where we are today. But on the other hand, it's going to have the capacity to destroy. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've already seen. There's always that twist of the knife. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, it, it's much like uh, the dangers of the atomic bomb, which uh, had the possibility of ending the war and giving the United States an advantage over its both its allies and its enemies. But there was a more than zero chance that when Oppenheimer detonated, it would burn up the atmosphere and uh, end the world. Similarly, there's a more than zero chance that as artificial intelligence takes hold, and particularly as the biggest and wealthiest companies compete dominance, and as various countries begin to develop AI-infused autonomous weapon systems, that it's going to be the end of us. I don't think that's going to be the outcome, but it's certainly a possibility that we need to be conscious of as we learn more about this. And one of the concerning things is the technologists and engineers who are working on artificial intelligence, and they number in the thousands uh, just in this country are not certain how it works. And that's kind of disturbing. Yeah, that letter was going around uh, not too long ago. I think Elon Musk and a bunch of people wrote a letter that just said, hey, maybe we should uh, maybe we should hold off on this for six months, which I think everybody kind of said, yeah, no, but uh, th- there's probably some merit to that, that maybe Maybe we should kind of figure out what it is we're working with before we just unleash it on the world. There there certainly is some merit to that point of view. Uh, I fear that that's kind of window dressing. Uh, And once these companies really start thinking of AI in terms of advancing their businesses and competing with everybody else who is applying artificial intelligence to what they're doing, uh, these things will be 
guardrails and limitations and regulation will be diminished in everybody's mind. And we're going to see a very fast recognition and application of artificial intelligence that's going to be pervasive in, in all of our lives. And yeah, it's going to be one of the most important developments in human history, the technological developments, particularly technology with artificial intelligence. And uh, it's going to kind of change everything. And it's up to us to... Uh, figure out ways to deal with it. There aren't any easy solutions. Certainly, there needs to be some regulation. The argument against regulation is that other countries uh, and bad actors are not going to regulate. They're going to move ahead very aggressively. And uh, we have to certainly militarily keep up with them and defend our republic and arguably, we can only do that if we exceed what they're doing and there are no guardrails on them. So that I think there will be regulation. I think that, um, you know, a, a, an area where AI is in the news right now is with respect to the uh, strikes by the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild. What we're seeing there is you know, they're very concerned about AI and it's in the news and the guilds need to come up with very specific rules and regulations in their contracts that they're negotiating to deal with this. And I haven't seen that level of specificity yet, but I suspect they'll get there. Stephen, you think, uh, in, you this, think in eight months just every movie is going to star Bruce Willis? I do not. Because we, <laughs> uh, we, we sold Bruce Willis, right? We could just make Bruce Willis movies now, right? Or is hologram Bruce Willis also on strike? Well, I think what's going to happen is, you know, actors that have value in the marketplace and that are stars, they're going to be able to market their digital images and they're going to make money off it. Yeah. And act actors who are more work-a-day journeyman actors are, you know, not going to really benefit that much. And uh, again, the guilds are going to negotiate with the studios rules in this regard. And my view is that it's kind of fair to use the image within the context of a specific production. But if you're going to use it in other productions or in other ways, other than the production or the marketing of that production, yeah. then that should be limited. And I think it will be. That seems right to me. That feels fair. Like you shouldn't be able to use somebody's I was in one movie. You shouldn't be able to take my likeness and put it in a movie that has nothing to do with this movie that I agreed to be in. Well, I've made 150 movies. That's my business. And, you know, we use uh, artificial intelligence in that business as well as in e-commerce and streaming businesses that I own. Uh, we're using it all the time. We've been using it for years. And what's, the difference now is we're reaching a point where we have the beginnings of generative AI, which can create its content, text, code, images, video. And that is a new development where the, the content is actually being created uh, by the data that's being gathered by the artificial intelligence. And it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out. So, yeah, in the, historically, like in your business, would you say you use it more as like it's an analytical tool, not a content creation tool? Correct. 
And it certainly is for us. And, you know, we have several businesses that depend on ad impressions. And that business is becoming, you know, very digitized. Uh, you know, it's not something that needs uh, a lot of humans around to execute on our ad impressions and to attract subscribers to our services. It's very much a machine-driven activity. With respect to our films, and I could speak to that, we, uh, we are using it quite a bit on languaging uh, so that we can have uh, versions of our content in various local languages cost-effectively because at our budget levels, we really can't afford to hire translators who will dub or change the language, and artificial intelligence seems to do a much better job and in a fraction of the cost. I suspect that as the, these languaging techniques develop, uh, this is going to play a role in translations and in international geopolitical negotiations, where we're going to be able to, or AI is going to be able to convert everything to in real time, a common language or a language that all parties can understand, even though they're speaking different languages. And then we're going to run into, of course, uh, criminal fraud in that regard, deep fakes and hacking. So uh, another aspect of this Roaring Twenties compared to the original Roaring Twenties is that the, the level of criminality during the original 1920s was extraordinary. Uh, the, the stock market was largely uh, a corrupt market at that time with massive insider trading, embezzlement, and of course uh, there was the uh, prohibition which itself created a whole criminal class. We're going to see incredible criminality. That's how it always happens, right? You just give them a couple of years to figure it out. And they'll find a way to use it for crime. The, you are right. The the last generation, I think that that uh, that that answers their home phone uh, is getting all the rest of the phone scammers, and then I think that's pretty much gone because you see a call from a number you don't recognize, you don't even answer that anymore. So now that we got to move to the inter internet, and we get AI to mimic your son's voice. Uh, you just give them a couple years, they'll figure it out. One of the uh, aspects of this that's interesting is that our culture and civilization depends on stories. And that's what the movie business is. It's the telling of stories. And the concept of money is dependent on a story. We accept money because of the stories we accept about it. You know, it's, right now, it's mainly digital. Yeah. Religion is stories. Our democracy, the reason our democracy holds together is because of the stories that we've accepted. We may be reaching a point where these stories will come from machines and not from other humans. And that will change the nature of being human in some way. Now, how do we contend with this? Well, one of the ways that on an individual level we can deal with it is to become more human and to engage with one another and be around other humans and reach out to them and be of service to other human beings, whether it be a smile 
or helping someone who's sick or just reaching out to a friend who you haven't heard from and making a point of being more human. And if we can accomplish that, that that's a soft response, but it's a response that may help preserve our humanity and to a certain extent, fend off the machines. Are you, are you optimistic that that'll happen or do you think that we're doomed to just do TikTok dances and stare? I'm at optimistic. Oh, that's good. That's good. I, I think, I think it, you know, in my life, everything is a disaster along the way. There's one tragedy problem after another, and it all works out in the end. Yeah. But, but you have to be resilient. You have to recognize that there are going to be terrible losses along the way. I mean, one of the problems is going to be the massive employment transition that's going to take, take place. Uh, right now, about 50% of our population, American population, works either in the gig economy or for someone. Uh, that's going to drop by the end of the decade to 30%. And many of that 30% are going to be doing different jobs than they do right now. Um, I'm an advocate, you may have seen this in the book, for um, universal basic income that assists with the transition. Uh, a couple thousand dollars a month. That's for the Andrew Yang thing, right? Andrew Yang came up with that, didn't he? He was certainly one of the proponents. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't his idea originally, but he was, you know, that's part of a, what he ran on when he ran for the presidency. Was, that's if, brought it to the mainstream. If I could sign up for more money than that, I would like to. I want oh, universal want, basic want income. More I, than I want else gets? more than a couple thousand a, a month. Yeah. Well, but that, wouldn't a couple thousand make a difference? Yeah, that'd be great. You? And particularly if you were uh, a poor impoverished radio announcer and you <laughs> needed needed to transition to a different job because AI took over your job. Yeah. A couple thousands a month would make a huge difference. And, and look at, you know, some of the practical applications now. What about people who come out of prison? They kind oh, of yeah. have nothing. They have a hard time getting hired. If they had a couple thousand dollars a month to read to train themselves, to transition, to have some hope, it make a huge difference. Well, overall, do you feel optimistic? You know, in the you listed off a lot of things about the the previous twenties that were sounded you know like really good, and then like I said, there was that twist of the knife. Um, are you optimistic about the overall picture? It seems like everything right now is just doom and gloom. I haven't heard anyone forecast the future that sounded positive about it. Where are you at on this? I'm very positive, despite the fact I painted. Armageddon for you. <laughs> um, you know, I think Americans are not looking at the situation of our country uh, very objectively. Um, we've got a very strong economy, low unemployment, inflation is declining, not always in the areas we would like it to decline, but it is declining. Our gross domestic product is growing. Um, you know, NATO as a result of Putin's misstep, has never been stronger. Uh, you know, he is basically encircled by NATO countries at this point. And, um, you know, we've, the most important thing, in my view, that we as a country can do in all of this is form a working relationship with China with respect to 
geopolitical issues, economic issues, and most importantly, AI issues. If we can reach an understanding with them, they will recognize, we will recognize that these two countries comprise about 20% of the population in the world, but about 50% of, of the GDP, the gross domestic product. And there's never been a time in history when two countries were so important to the world in so many ways. And if we can see beyond our petty little concerns and form a detente with China, we may find that the world will be a much better place than we would have imagined, and we'll get through all of this. Guys, the book, it's called The New Roaring Twenties, Prosper and Volatile Times. Stephen, where should I send people to get the book? Uh, just Amazon? or you have Amazon and Walmart and all of the online, and then it's, you know, it's in Barnes & Noble, and it's in most independent bookstores. Uh, you know, people should go to their independent local bookstore, and uh, it'll either be on the shelf or they can ask for it. Stephen, we appreciate your time, man. It was cool talking to you. Awesome. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, Stephen. Bye. I forgot to ask him how I leveraged the information in his book to become a tyrant billionaire. Uh, like, I want to harness that optimism and use it for my own gain. You know what's uh, there was a really interesting thing. I don't know how I could have brought it up to him, uh, but he said that when you go on a cruise, they give you like an extensive questionnaire. Uh, asking you a bunch of questions and then they pair you at tables at dining events on the cruise with people who they think that you'll get along with. Really? Yeah. So it's sort of, it's kind of like the game a little bit. They make you take a big personality test. Right. And then they predict your outcome. Like maybe some people that on... you'll swing with or something, you know, just to have a better time. Right. They think you'll fuck. That's why they put the upside down pineapple on the table. <laughs> Is that one of the questions like you down to swing? I don't know what's on the. Qu have you ever been on a cruise? I've never been on a cruise. I, I never have. I, I every time I see a cruise advertisement, I think that looks amazing. But all you hear about cruises is horror. I'm sure there's 99 percent of cruises are yeah, fine. But then you hear about like, off the one that everybody gets diarrhea and you're like, that'll be me. Yeah. All it takes is one dysentery ship to just sour my opinion on cruises. <laughs> Remember that COVID ship that was just like anchored off port for months? They wouldn't yeah. let the people off of it? Like, they, fuck that. They just kept getting uh, COVID back and forth, right? Because did yeah, they, did I, they I mean, helicopter more I, food to them or do they just have that much goddamn food? I mean, those things are like cities. I, they're yeah, they're massive. I mean, have you been stuck? You know, like when you get on a plane and then they're like, oh, we have some bullshit problem, but we're going to keep you on the plane for two hours. It's like that, like that's the worst thing in the world. Now picture you're in a shark infested waters. You know, you, you can't just jump off because you're like 80 stories in the air. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I could fight my way out of a plane if I really needed to. <laughs> but I mean, a cruise ship, you're kind of fucked. Because you jump, you jump in the water, you're going to get eaten by a shark. Or you're just going to smack the concrete and die. Right. You know, right. Or yeah, you're going to drown, which but, would no, also be. I mean, not and smack then get the eaten by a shark. Water. You'll smack the water, which will feel like concrete because you're so high up in the air. They have water slides, don't they? That you can. You I don't know. Down the water I don't know. Is it off? like? I bet you're probably right. I see. I don't. I've never been on a cruise. I know nothing about cruises. Yeah, I would I don't imagine know. most 
cruises probably have water slides, Dan. Do you think they have an armed guard at that? Because I would just want to take that inflatable. I would just want to wee every time I was on a cruise. Like people sure. surely want to do that all the time. Yeah. Dan, uh, I have I have a good pick of the week, I think. OK, I, you're going to like my pick of the week. Um, right. I brain farted. What was my pick of the week going to be? Your pick of the week was going to be oh something God. about. I had a good one. I wrote it down. Oh, hold on. I, I was, was it the Tekken 8 reveals that happened at Evo 2023 earlier? Oh, my God. I totally you didn't write it down. Wrong notebook. This is unfortunate. Um, oh I do have a pick of the week. If Dan, you'd like me to fill let me, let me the hear air. Your pick of the week. Maybe you've already see. I'm a little bit behind just because of my work. So I, I'm I'm always catching up on things. So maybe you already talked about this. But did you watch the the American Gladiators documentary on Netflix? No, I um, saw that and I, I was going to watch it, but I just haven't yet. There's so many things, Dan. It, it's awesome. Uh, I don't actually I don't know if it's good. It is 100 percent like millennial nostalgia because that was when I was a little kid. I used to watch. What did they play that reruns on USA Network oh, yeah. all the time? There's I a, always watch it. There's a Pluto uh, channel. I still pop on some American gladiators every now and then. And I mean, it was the closest thing to porn that a young I mean, maybe that's why so many millennial men have a thing for muscular chicks is because of uh, American gladiators. But you just get to uh, see these people talk about what it was like being an American gladiator and uh, like how fucking weird it was the whole thing. Um, No, uh, I I want to watch that. That sounds great. So they find some of the old American gladiators and talk about it. Who? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all in there. Like Nitro's in there and uh, laser Lasers in there. Taser and- who was your Who was your favorite? When am I weird? Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe nobody else thought those chicks were hot. But did you have like a hot yeah. chick American Gladiator? No, they, I mean they were all great, Dan. Like, I, I'm not. Well, I'm one not of, threatened by a muscular gal. I thought Zap was the hot one for me. Yeah. Zap was the hot one, and she's in the documentary, and she's still pretty good for like sixty something. But yeah. still oh, really? would. Okay. Yeah. 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 They're they're actually they all held up. I mean, Nitro looks like he aged quite a bit, but <laughs> they uh they're all still in decent shape. Wow. Yeah, I guess yeah. you'd have would... to, so you could like be like, Yeah, I used to be an American gladiator. Dan, I remember what mine was. Uh okay. there's oh, a trailer good. out for a uh horror movie coming out at the end of this month. It's called Slother House. Have you heard of Slother House, Dan? I have a feeling I've never heard of it, but I think I may know the hook. It's a sloth that kills Dan. My God. My it God. Looks so good. Awesome. Oh, Somebody yeah. told I me just... Slother House existed. And you know what I did? I emailed you, the director uh, immediately. I was like, I want to get... talk to this man. He's a genius. Get me Slother and... House guy. When you email a guy like that, do you give him your bona fides of like, I've interviewed these horror genre luminaries? No, I do the whole spiel. Oh, good, good. Because I really want him to be on there. As soon as you said Slother House, I got goosebumps. Yeah. I was like, oh, yes, finally this exists. Brilliant name and the the trailer, Dan, it looks great. Like, even if it looked like shit, I'd watch it because it's called Slother House, but it doesn't look like shit. It looks amazing. 
You know, uh, maybe this is another thing that it's just me, but every time someone posts a video of like someone encountering a sloth, I secretly do hope that the sloth will just fuck them up badly. Like it's some lady crying because she's going to, you know, or like that one where they pick the sloth up out of the water. You know, have you seen that one? They're in a boat and the sloth is just out (laughs) swimming. And they pick him up out of the water and he's just like all smooth and slow. And then they hand him to this lady and she's overjoyed. And I just like, oh, that, that would be so one, fucking awesome. When the guy picks the sloth up and carries him across the street because he's moving too slow and then puts him in a train. Yeah. I watch that every time, yeah. Dan. I never skip that video. They've got those big old claws. Wouldn't it be funny if he, they just tore someone's face off? <laughs> do they ever kill? I don't think they do. I do don't. They? I don't think so, man. Yeah. They're pretty bad. Like they only come down out of a tree once a month to poop because they're <laughs> so d- bad at uh, being alive. I don't think they have it in them to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, can, they can't defend themselves, let alone attack. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I'm psyched for Slaughter House. I'm going to go see it the first day it comes. It's, it's on my list. It's going to be in theaters. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, I think they're really desperate for stuff to be in theaters. But no, it looks great, Dan. It looks like a real movie. Like, you may think this looks like some dickhead making it on a VHS tape. It looks great. It looks well shot. It looks perfect. I hope it's the highest grossing film of the year. Yeah, I and then they can make a slaughter house, too. Guys, we did it. Uh, Dan, where should I guess at the guitar beast? Send him a tweet. Uh, That's That's me. Tell people to do. Uh, Dan, we appreciate you, you filling in. It was a good time. It's always fun. I still am nostalgic for Idle Hands. It doesn't feel right not I, to hear I'm, Idle Hands. Can't can't do it anymore, Dan. They, they'll come. I know me. the fucking algorithm, man. <laughs> this that's exactly what Stephen was talking about with the horror yeah. stories of AI. They they took Idle Hands away from us. Yeah, there 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 probably isn't like a guy. Uh, combing through Spotify, it's the it's the Sheens, fucking Sheens. It's an evil robot that tries to fuck up my favorite podcast. For listening to this installment of WFOD, our operation is 100% independent, so your support is appreciated. We don't advertise, so we rely on word of mouth. Please take a moment to tell a friend, share a link, leave a review, or any of the other things podcasts ask you to do. The music featured in this episode is by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Check him out at whitebataudio.com. You can contact us with comments or questions by phone at 636 636- 487 hand or by email at mike at wfodix.com travis at wfodix.com or drunk at wfodix.com 
Special thanks, as always, to our Patreon sponsors, Jim Chadman, Brian Kranz, Liquid Lozenge, Valerie Carpenter, Jay Adson, and Rabbit Poundings. If you want early access to episodes, you can support the show at patreon.com slash WFODicks. Our entire catalog can be found at WFODshow.com, or you can find our feed of the latest episodes on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, iHeart, or wherever else fine podcasts are found. Check us out on social media, WFOD Show on Twitter and Instagram, WFODicks on Facebook and YouTube. We will return next week, but really, we're never gone. Take care. Oh, my God.